land, the land of promise. Uh, sometimes I look, at, uh, I look at the children of Israel and I personally can become very critical of them. I look at what happened there in, uh, in, in that, those 40 years and, and you think about everything that God did for them and you think about the miracles and the provision and we'll not belabor the point, we've mentioned it several times in the last several weeks, but you think about everything that God did for them and yet uh, they look at God and they were gripers and they were complainers and they, the Bible uses the term murmur quite a bit and, and they were guilty of all of those things and I look at the children of Israel and I, and I say to myself, how can you be so ungrateful? How can you be so filled with, with, with griping and uh, you know, just, just the, the, the whining? I don't know if, if uh, many of you are parents here this morning, and you know how it's like when you, maybe you're, you and your spouse are, you're in the front seat of the car, and the kids are in the back seat or whatever, and you're driving, maybe it's a little bit of a longer trip, and they start kind of uh, whining a little bit. I mean, not necessarily duking it out, you know. You could almost, you could almost take that a little better, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, but they just start just that, and it just, it just, it starts, and you feel it in your toes, and it works its way up. <clears throat> And, uh, and finally, you just say, that's enough. Stop it. <laughs> you know, it's just, the, just that the murmuring and just the, the, the whiny voice. And, you know, after a while, you just, you've had it up to here with it. And, uh, and that's, what I, that's what I imagine God felt like when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. And I, I'll be honest with you, I've, be, I've been very critical of the children of Israel. And, and uh, after all of the, uh, the ingratitude that they displayed there... And then on the other hand, when I look at the children of Israel, sometimes I see a lot of my own characteristics. On the other hand, sometimes I look at them and I read about all that they had been through and all that God had done for them, and then they started whining and complaining and murmuring, and then my criticism turns into conviction. As I think, man, I see a lot of myself in that. <laughs> I see a lot of my own characteristics and a lot of my own faults when I look very closely at them. So much of what I read about in their lives reminds me of things that I struggle with, and it's painful to realize. I'm convicted as, I, as I'm, uh, it's almost like looking in a mirror at my own character, my own faults. This is the case when I look at our passage today. The chapter simply begins in Numbers chapter 11 with this phrase, And when the people complained... And when the people complained. You can go on and on and read the chapter in that, and the reason for their complaining was the fact that they wanted something else to eat besides the manna that God was so faithful to give to them. You understand something, it was no small task to feed two and a half to three million people in the wilderness. You just think about the logistics involved of getting that much food on a daily basis to that many people, but God did it. And it wasn't, hey, he didn't give them bologna either. Nothing against bologna. Uh, bologna may be your favorite food. I don't know. But, 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 but God gave them good stuff. In fact, the Bible compares manna to that which angels eat. Wow. Now, I don't know if that's angel food cake. Now, now that's where we're talking. <clears throat> but, uh, uh, but God fed them, and he fed them well. Every single morning, six days a week, they would get up and, uh, and they would go collect enough manna for that day's meals. And on the sixth day, they would collect enough manna for the, uh, for the sixth and the seventh day. Because, of course, the seventh day was the Sabbath, the day of rest. And there would be no collection of food on that day. But God made sure that everybody had plenty to eat. Nobody went hungry. 
everybody got as much food as they wanted, and yet, I don't know how much time had elapsed here, uh, but now the people are complaining. They were griping. They were murmuring. Uh, they, were, they were fussing at God, if you will, because they got tired of his blessings. They got tired of the manna. They said, Moses, we want meat. Now, I'll be honest with you, I like meat. How many carnivores do we have here today? Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> uh, I, hey, I like meat. In fact, if, if, you, if you put a 14-ounce ribeye in front of me right here. By the way, I, <clears throat> some of you are going to think this is a little bit strange, okay? I'm, I'm a southern boy, and, uh, and I like collard greens. Anybody else here like collard greens? Sean, usually with me over here, Eastern North Carolina, amen. But anyway, and uh, <clears throat> I love collard greens. I mean, uh, you know, if you put, if you put, in fact, I love collard greens so much, you're not going to believe this, but if you put a big old bowl of collard greens right here and a 14-ounce ribeye right here, I'd eat both of them. Uh, <clears throat> but um, <laughs> you, you, you thought I was going, so I'm, hey. I love collard greens, but not that much, amen. <clears throat> but, uh, <laughs> but these people, man, they started, they started griping about the fact that they wanted, they wanted meat to eat. We're tired of this manna. We, you know, we're sick of this. And they murmured and complained and whined and griped. You know, the message this morning simply centers around something that we all battle with, complaining. There's no sense in any of us putting on a facade here because we're all guilty. Where every single one of us are guilty of it. Let me share with you some specific thoughts from this passage this morning. Number one, our complaints are heard by the Lord. Our complaints are heard, or our complaining is heard by the Lord. In verse number one, it simply says, And the Lord heard it. And the Lord heard it. How quickly we forget that God is aware of everything we say. How quickly we forget that God knows everything, and if you say it, he heard it. In fact, you don't even have to say it for him to hear it. If you think it, God knows what, God knows what you thought. But the fact that you would verbalize things takes it a step further because it says, and the Lord heard it. We act as though we can say things that are hidden from everyone in the world, including God. I think about the story over in, uh, in Genesis, a few, a few pages before this, or several pages before this, and of course uh, uh, the angel came to Sarah and said to Sarah, hey Sarah, guess what, you're going to have a son. And at the time Sarah was 89 years old, and she did what any 89-year-old lady would say if you told her she was going to have a son, she laughed. <laughs> she got a kick out of that, she said, man, that's hilarious, are you kidding me? I'm going to have a son? And uh, <clears throat> well, later on, Later on, uh, God said uh, to Abraham, he said, look, um, why did Sarah laugh? And, and you read where Sarah said, I didn't laugh. I didn't do that. She tried to tell the Lord she didn't laugh. Hey, God knows what you do. God knows what you say. God knows what you think. You know, we forget that God sees everything, hears everything, knows everything, and before our complaints fall on the ears of anyone else, God hears us. God hears us. Um, number two, I want you to see also this. Our complaints not only are heard by the Lord, but our complaints displease the Lord. Our complaints displease the Lord. Look back at verse number one with me, if you will. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. It displeased the Lord. God was not happy about what was going on here. I mean, after all, God looked after every need that they could possibly have. 
God made sure that they were comfortable. God made sure that they were fed. God made sure that they had plenty to drink. The rock and horb <coughs> followed them everywhere they went and provided water for all two and a half, three million people. God made sure that everything that they needed was taken care of. And here, here they are complaining. And God said, I'm not happy with that. After so many victories, after so many ways in which he had provided... And now they're complaining about the food that he had given to them. In essence, don't miss it, what their complaints were saying to God was this. What you have given to us isn't good enough. Essentially, that's what they were saying. Because they said, hey, Moses, we know we've got this manna here, but we want meat. We want something more. And when we complain to God, when God, let's just get down to where we live. When I complain, and when you complain, essentially what we are saying to God is, God, what you've done for me is not good enough. How you've provided for me is not good enough. What you have done for me, how you've blessed me, isn't blessing enough. I want more. I want something different. I want something unique. Hey, God, <clears throat> I, don't you... Can you see where that would wear on God's patience just a little bit? Sure we can. Sure we can. We're saying to God, God, I deserve better than this. No, the truth of the matter is, if I got what I deserve this morning, not only would I not receive any of what God has given to me, I would incur the wrath of God, which, which includes condemnation and eternity apart from God in a lake of fire called hell. That's what I, that's what I would have if I got what I deserved. We look at that scene and say... How dare they make such a statement about such a gracious God? How dare they complain about what God had given them? How dare they say that? And then we look at ourselves. And I realize that my complaining is an insult to Almighty God. It's an insult. Our complaining displeases the Lord just like theirs did so many years ago. This morning, we need to stop and see our griping and our complaining for what it is. Can I tell you what it is? Sin. Sin. We need to just stop and quit whitewashing our complaining. And so, you know, no, it's sin. It is grotesque. It's evil. It's wicked. It's vile. It's putrid in the sight of God. It, it stinks just like it stunk when it came from, his, from the children of Israel in the wilderness. Hey, I'm talking about griping and complaining is sin, just like drinking alcohol is sin. We don't think of it in those terms, but God does. You know, we, uh, you know, it kind of goes back to the, the really grotesque sin is your sin. <laughs> And the tolerable sin, the okay kind of gray area sin, well, that's my sin. No, we got to call it for what it is. You know, the Bible says about alcohol, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. God said that. God said that. He said, that's wicked, it's vile. <laughs> and he said, uh, but you know what, he, he thinks the same thing about my complaining. Uh, I'm talking about sin like adultery and fornication is sin. You know. If uh, uh, adultery, one of, the, one of the Ten Commandments, the, uh, the Seventh Commandment, I believe it is, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, extramarital affairs, that's adultery. And God says it's wicked, it's vile, it's putrid, it's disgusting. And then God, he goes on to talk about fornication. In any sexual sin, God said, that's, hey, that's wicked, that's abominable, it's, it's sinful. But you know what? He, said, he thinks the same thing about my complaining, about my griping. 
I'm talking about sin like homosexuality is sin. I know that's not popular to say in 2016, and it's not politically correct, but it's biblically correct. Homosexuality is still an abomination in the sight of God Almighty. Always has been, always will be. Doesn't matter what nine people in black robes in Washington think about it. And they're at home today. They're snowed in. I don't have to worry about them. <clears throat> but uh, I'm saying it's wicked. It's vile. It's putrid. But sometimes we look at that and say, well, that's disgusting sin. But my complaining, that's okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. Sin like rebellion is sin. Sin like cursing is sin. Hey, I'm simply saying, complaining is an affront to a gracious God who has given every single one of us far better than the hell that we deserve. It's, as, it, it's, it's no different than going and, and, if you could, poking your face at God and saying, you haven't been good to me. Nobody would dare be that brash. No one here would dare uh, uh, even think about doing, but that's what, in essence, that's what we're doing when we complain. God, you're not, you're, you haven't been good enough to me. I deserve better than this. I said, number one, our complaints are heard by the Lord. Our complaints are, are uh, displeased the Lord. Then I want you to see number three, our complaints hurt those whom God sets over us. Our complaints hurt others. Look at Numbers chapter 11, verse number 10 with me. A, a, a few verses down the passage there. Numbers chapter 11, verse number 10. The Bible says, Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. Now get this. This is over the menu, okay? <laughs> Don't miss this. Don't miss the context. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. They're crying over the menu. It got so bad that they were, I mean, they were emotionally disturbed because of the menu. <laughs> but notice, not only was God displeased, it says Moses also was displeased. You know, Moses was the spiritual authority. Moses bore the burden of all the people as they journeyed through the wilderness. And now we see that not only is God frustrated by the, uh, the uh, murmuring and complaining and the, uh, and the uh, bickering and the, uh, and the griping of the people, but Moses too was frustrated. You see, your complaints not only displease the Lord, don't miss this, your complaints discourage others. Your attitude of complaining, your attitude or my attitude of, of, of griping, of, uh, of poor-mouthing, if you will, of, of instead of praising God for His goodness and blessing the Lord for all that He's done for me, when I complain, I'm telling not just the Lord, what you've done is not good enough for me, but I'm telling everybody else too. Now, how is that helpful? It's not. Uh, your complaints not only displease the Lord, they discourage others. We sometimes forget that attitudes are contagious. <laughs> attitudes are contagious. Um, for 21 years, I had the privilege of being youth pastor uh, down at Fellowship Baptist Church. And, and man, we, went to, we just made an announcement about teen camp a while ago. And, and uh, <clears throat> for 21 years, I was blessed, and my wife and I, and, and we were around some tremendous young people. And, and I loved them and loved them to this day. <clears throat> and, uh, but every once in a while, you know, you'd take a group of kids to a, a camp or an activity or something. And 99% uh, and of everybody there was having a great time until it happened. 
You know what happened? One little junior high kid. This ain't no fun. This ain't no fun. They always, all junior high kids talk alike. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that ain't no fun. And, uh, and you know what? It would go from him, and then his buddy would catch on. And then his friend would catch on. And before you know it, it was an epidemic <laughs> of a sour attitude. You know what? God deserves better than your sour attitude. God deserves better than my sour attitude sometimes. And hey, not only that, <clears throat> but we got to understand, it's contagious. It's contagious. I don't know, I don't know where the, 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 the crying in the door of the tent started, but I imagine it started with one person. <laughs> What's wrong? I don't have any meat. You know. Isn't that silly? But look what all God's given to you. I know, but I don't want manna anymore. I'm tired of manna. I've had it with ketchup, and I've had it with mustard, and I've had it with chili, and I've had it with everything. And I'm just tired of manna. You know, I'm simply saying, when you complain and when I complain, he's not the only one who's displeased. He's not the only one who's affected by it. Hey, we come to church, and part of the purpose of church is to encourage one another and be a blessing to one another. And, uh, hey, when somebody walks away from your presence, they ought, to, they ought to feel a little bit better about life. But when our, when our attitude is down in the mouth and when it's just gripe gut this and complain about this and that's not good enough and, and uh, you know, hey, either, man, we didn't get enough snow because all those people on the East Coast got it or, or we got too much snow. <laughs> hey, hey, why don't we say fooey on all that and say, hey, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And you know what? If I'll bring that attitude with me to church, guess what? It might rub off on somebody else. Might rub off on family members and friends and coworkers and neighbors. Hey, everybody you come into contact with ought to feel a little bit better about things after leaving your presence. Because out of your lips ought to, ought to pour the praises of God, not complaining about what God hasn't done. I see number, number three, <clears throat> our complaints hurt those whom, uh, whom God sets over us and those with whom uh, God has given us to, uh, to, uh, to encourage. Number four, I see this, our complaints invite the wrath of God. Our complaints invite the wrath of God. How many times do you read about the children of Israel in the wilderness where after they had murmured, God brought judgment? Whether it be fiery serpents or pestilence or disease or, or battles that were lost, God's judgment came after God's people complained. May I give you a little bit of insight into that? You and I were made to praise the Lord. We were made to praise the Lord not gripe about what he hasn't done that we think we deserve. And, and not praising the Lord, and actually uh, griping and complaining is the 180 degree opposite of praise. Instead of being grateful, it's, it's whining. You see, God deserves better than that. God deserves better than that. Hey, I want to fulfill the purpose for which God put me here, and it's not complaining. And when I do complain, I'm inviting the wrath of God in my life. Number, number next, we hasten number, number uh, five. Our complaints are rooted in a lack of gratitude. Our complaints are rooted in a lack of gratitude. <clears throat> when I live my life 
and I am self-absorbed. And by the way, it stems from pride. We've been, we talked a little bit last night about pride. Pride is when I think I deserve more than what I've got. And then I complain and, and verbalize that. Gratitude. Gratitude is where, it's, is where it's at. Our complaints are rooted in a lack of gratitude to the Lord for what he's done. Hey, sit down and think about what God's done for you. This, hey, just this week. Just this week. Just start from last Sunday or last Monday and, 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 and list all the good things that God has done for you this week. I promise you, if you sit down and, and you don't have to give it a whole lot of thought, but you can make a pretty lengthy list. A pretty lengthy list of, of how God has bestowed his grace and his mercy in your life. I got up this morning, and, and boy, what a beautiful sunrise this morning. Just a, a few clouds right there against the horizon, and the sun was coming up through, the, uh, through those clouds as it came across the horizon there. And, uh, and as those rays came through, of course, you had all the different colors of orange and pink and purple and so forth. And, uh, and I saw that, oh, just oh, maybe a little before 7 o'clock, and I thought, wow, what a beautiful sunrise. You know what? God let me see that. He didn't have to. God could have let me sleep this morning. I mean, really sleep this morning. <laughs> he didn't have to wake me up, but he did. He didn't have to give me the health to be in church this morning, but he did. Hey, I could have I, I come in here, uh, I, I could have been carried in here this morning or, 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 or wheeled in here this morning, but God let me walk in here. Hey, what a great God. On top of all that, God gave me salvation. God gave me a son. I mean, you talk about a God that provides for his people. All you got to do is look at Calvary and your, your arguments about God not being good to you ends right there. That's the bottom line. If you think God hasn't been good to you, take one peek at Calvary this morning. Because there you'll see a Savior. Not just any Savior, the Savior. The only begotten Son of God hanging on a cross that God provided. Hey, hey I, my wife sang a song many years ago, He grew the tree. God grew the tree that he knew would be used to make the old rugged cross. Hey, what a wonderful God we have. But when gratitude escapes, when thanksgiving leaves our lives, it opens a door for complaining. It, 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 you know, it's not going to be a void that's left vacant. Something's going to fill it. Your mouth is either going to be filled with gratitude to the, to the Lord for what he's done or complaining to the Lord for what you think you deserve. Number next, our complaints tell our children that God has not been good. I want to leave you with this thought this morning. This will be the final point in the message. <clears throat> Talking about complaining, our complaints tell our children that God has not been good. Listen to verse number 10 with me once again, if you will. The Bible says, Then Moses heard the, peep, uh, the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. That's interesting to me. The people who were complaining in the tent or in the door of their tent, they weren't just heard by the people outside the tent. They were heard first and foremost by the people inside the tent. I'm talking about moms and dads who were complaining about what they perceived as God's not being good to them and their kids heard it. Their kids heard it. This may be the worst collateral damage associated with complaining. Hey, mom and dad, may I remind all of us, don't forget that little ears are listening. Little ears are listening. 
Hey, don't forget that there are folks in your house, there are people <coughs> that call you mom and dad that look to you for spiritual leadership, that look to you <coughs> to praise the Lord, that look to you, and, and they're patterning their habits after your life. They're going to say things that you say. They're going to think in many cases the way that you think. And if they're living in a house where all that they hear is complaints and gripes and murmurs and, about, and things uh, and, and whining about what we don't have, their perception of is, wait a minute, I thought, I thought we learned in Sunday school that God said he would provide all of our needs. And yet, at home I hear dad say this and, this and that and, about, and, and, and talking about what we don't have. And they're trying to, they're trying to weigh that. They're trying to reconcile those two things. Hey, we've got to be careful. We've got to, as moms and dads, we've got to understand that those young people pick up on things. And they form their opinions about a lot of things based on what we say as parents. Why don't we magnify the Lord at home? Why don't we magnify the blessings at home? Hey, look, bottom line is, everybody here, you, there are things that, that you could, if you could change them, you would change them. Certainly there are folks here, uh, and, and all of us could, uh, could look at maybe the negatives that are in our lives or, or things that we would improve upon or things that we would change if we could. <clears throat> but instead of magnifying those things, why don't we go home today and magnify the goodness of God? Why don't we, why don't we make it a habit in our home <clears throat> of, of, by the way, you ought, to, you ought to pray before you eat. Y'all to y'all to y'all to thank God for the food, boy. Your 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 parent your your uh, your parents your your kids ought to be in the in the habit of hearing mom and dad give thanks before every meal. Why? Because they're going to remember that. They're going to remember that. I'm simply saying, complaining is sinful. It's sinful. It is the antithesis. It is the opposite of gratitude. You know, <clears throat> as I think about. Things for which to be grateful this morning. I can't help but think first and foremost about the number one thing that you have to be thankful for if you're saved, and that is your salvation. I thought about that verse where it says, And thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Gratitude begins with redemption. It begins as you remember and as you think about salvation. Oh, if you're here this morning and you're, you're a child of God, you're, you're saved on your way to heaven, boy, you ought to rejoice in that. You ought to rejoice in that. Yeah, the, the disciples, they ran to the Savior one day and they said, uh, they said Jesus, you're not going to believe this. Man, this is exciting. Hey, we got to cast some demons out of somebody today. We, we cast devils out of someone today. Man, that was unbelievable. It was phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, and Jesus said, okay. He said, rejoice not that the devils are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name's written in heaven. Wow. You know, if your name's written in heaven, you got plenty of reason to rejoice today. Not complain. Oh, I know. There's, I'm sure, I, I, again, I'm not minimizing your problems. There are folks in this room today who carry heavy, carry heavy, heavy burdens for sure. <clears throat> But the key is not to magnify the problems, magnify the problem solver. <laughs> magnify the Savior. Magnify the blessings. Magnify the, the wonderful blessings of God in your life. Hey, count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. 
But many times, instead of counting blessings, we find ourselves like the children of Israel complaining, hey, I'm guilty of it sometimes. I'll be the first to admit it. Doesn't make it any more valid. Doesn't make it right. Why don't we, on purpose, live a life of rejoicing and praise and worship? And the more we do that, the more we'll crowd out the complaining, crowd out the griping, crowd out the bickering, crowd out the murmuring. How about it today? Our heads are bowed.